Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me uh, today for this uh, Dharma talk on joy, or mudita, as it's known in Pali and Sanskrit. So just a few announcements before we get into the bulk of today's offering. Uh, now I am doing a four-part series on Facebook Live and I've managed to get Instagram working this morning too, which is exciting. So I'm on Instagram Live as well, if that works better for you. Uh, and so this is session two of the four parts. Now, if you haven't seen session one, don't worry. Each session is standalone. Uh, but they are kind of uh, intended to lead into uh, an eight-week online retreat offering on the topic of joy. And so I'm here just kind of uh, really encouraging people to, to, to get into the retreat if that's possible for you. So I'll just say a little bit more about the retreat. Uh, so there's two sections of the retreat. It launches on a Sunday, June 27th at 6 p.m. Pacific Coast time. And it finishes on August 19th. Uh, again, at 8 p.m. Pacific Coast time. Uh, so do set your, your times accordingly. Now there's a section two that's also being offered. Uh, that's on Mondays and Thursdays at 9 a.m. in the UK. The second section is primarily for people in Europe who couldn't, you know, the other sessions would be overnight for the people in Europe. Also people in Asia who like to sleep a little bit later, that's 3 p.m. here in Thailand. And uh, for those of you who are in Australia or New Zealand, if you'd like to join the retreat, uh, that's around 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. there. So I tried to offer two sections to, to cover the globe as far as the times are concerned. Now, even with all of that, you wanna come on the joy retreat, you wanna, you wanna take a, a plunge into the ocean of joy with us, uh, but you can't make the sessions live, or maybe you can make half of them, or maybe you can just make one of them, or you might miss one or two. It's all good. Those sessions will be recorded on Zoom, and they're made available uh, to only the retreat participants. So you have to be signed up and registered for the retreat to get the videos, and then you can follow along at your own pace uh, like that. Now, even if you sign up for the retreat and you wanna do it at your own pace through the videos, you still get access to me uh, for a couple of one-to-one -one sessions. Uh, so you do still get uh, the uh, student-teacher relationship, uh, which is so important for these practices. Okay, so I think that's all of the announcements I wanna to say today. Uh, so if you are interested in signing up for that retreat, a joy, uh, it's actually called the Ocean of Joy, a boundless quality of the heart. Uh, so if you're interested in the retreat, uh, do go visit my website, uh, www.suchsweetthunder.org. Or maybe you're going to watch this uh, offering here and you'll be inspired to sign up for the retreat. That's great. Uh, if that's the case, feel free to message me right away and I'll get you registered. So as a way of entering into today's session, I thought I would offer a guided meditation. If you've been with me before, you know that's my standard mode of operation. So this will be a guided meditation on the experience of gratitude. And so this might last maybe between seven to 10 minutes. Uh, please do, if you feel comfortable to do so, stay and meditate with me while I guide. If that doesn't serve you right now, that's fine as well. If you wish to maybe just sit and, and follow your breath or go get a drink of water, stretch, whatever best, best serves you in this present moment, you're welcome to do that. But I'll be here guiding this uh, very beautiful meditation into gratitude.
And so the invitation here is really just to arrive in this present moment. There are many ways of arriving here, many contact points to the present moment. And I'll just suggest a few. You can see if these work for you. And so you might arrive by noticing the feet against the floor or carpet. And just feeling the, the ground against the feet. Or you might notice the weight of the body against the chair or cushion or mat or floor. And so these two contact points of support, whether it's a floor or a chair, notice what it feels like to be held, to be supported. And if there's a feeling of gratitude towards the support, feel into that. If there's not, that's fine too. But just feel into any gratitude that might be there for just the simple feeling of being supported. And perhaps arriving into the present moment by noticing the breath. There might be the sensations of dryness or coolness around the nose, the back of the throat. You might notice the rib cage expanding and contracting with each breath. the rising and falling of the abdomen as you inhale and exhale. It's quite common for the human body to want to contain tension or stress in and around the abdomen. And so while noticing the abdomen rising and falling, we can invite any tension or stress that's held in the abdomen to soften, relax, rest. And while noticing the breath, you might also notice the back moving out on the in-breath and in on the out-breath. Perhaps noticing how the shoulders rise and fall as you inhale and exhale. Or you might notice how the body straightens up on the in-breath and leans forward on the out-breath. Resting, breathing, feeling, noticing the body, the breath. And so again, turning attention to the feet and just inviting the muscles in the feet to grow soft, relax, and rest. Or you might notice sensations of clothing against the legs. Just taking a moment to invite the muscles in the legs to relax and grow soft. You might also notice sensations of clothing against the back, inviting the muscles in the back to relax, rest, unwind. You might also notice the hands resting against the body or touching each other. The arms resting against the body. Inviting the hands and arms to relax and to unwind. 
And you might also notice sensations of clothing against the shoulders. So we can invite the muscles in the shoulders to relax, grow soft. There might be sensations arising throughout the back of the neck and the sides of the neck. Inviting the muscles in the neck to rest. You might also notice sensations arising throughout the cheeks of the face and letting any tension or stress that's held in the face muscles go. And noticing any sensations arising from the top of the head, the very crown of the head. Resting, breathing, feeling. And if you wish, now you could turn your attention to any sounds which might be available. Sounds are always present moment experiences, so they can serve as a really direct anchor into the present moment. And so just listening to what's arising right now in the present moment. You could do that by either focusing on one predominant sound or, if you wish, listening to the entire field of sound. As if you were listening to the universe orchestrate a soundtrack to the present moment. Resting, breathing, listening, feeling. And so while resting here in this present moment experience, the invitation is now to recall a time where somebody was extending gratitude towards you. Maybe this person was appreciative of something you had to offer at a business meeting or Maybe they were just appreciating a smile that you gave to them. Maybe they were appreciative of the time you spent with this person. If a moment of being receptive or receiving gratitude is challenging to find, just noticing what it feels like to be given to in any way. You might recall a time where somebody gave you a gift, a smile, a poem, a flower. Maybe the generous gift of their time or energy. This could be a loved one, a friend, or a stranger. And so just taking a moment to feel into what it feels like to be receiving in this way. Whether it's receiving gratitude or receiving an act of kindness. And if you're playing this movie in the mind's eye like a video, the invitation is to freeze frame that video into the most activating part of that memory. 
perhaps it was the moment the smile landed on your eyes from your friend's face or the warmth of the embrace, the moment of receiving the gift. And now the invitation is to really feel into the body. What does it feel like to receive a gift in this way? to receive a compliment or appreciation. Where does that land in the body for you? It might be around the heart area or the abdomen, the shoulders. You might feel a resistance come up and that's fine, just notice the resistance and continue with the practice, continue exploring around the resistance. And so in this meditation, the invitation is to really feel as much as possible into that receiving. And so if you notice a warmth or a softening in the heart or abdomen, allowing yourself to go into that warmth, plunging yourself into the warmth as if you were plunging yourself into a warm tub of water, allowing the warmth of receiving to drench your very being. And in the next breath, the invitation is now to extend that giving out. And so we've received from someone, and now we'll offer this kindness, this appreciation to another. And this could be a loved one, a friend, or a stranger. And so we'll use phrases of joy to extend this appreciation and kindness. Really feeling into each phrase. And saying to this person, may you enjoy the activities of life itself. just as they are. May you experience the world taking joy in all that you do. May you know what to do, whatever arises. Resting, breathing, feeling.
actually noticing any warmth, positive feelings, emotions which may arise. Allowing yourself again to feel into those as deeply as possible. there's a resistance, that's quite normal. Just notice the resistance. Keep feeling into the joy, the gratitude, the generosity. And in the next breath, we'll begin to shift away from the meditation and back into our conversational space. And so I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. And so thank you for joining me for that brief guided meditation into the qualities of generosity and kindness and joy. What could be better, right? <laughs> what a great way to start the day. <laughs> uh, it's morning here in Thailand. So, uh, and by the way, if you're watching this back on video and you wish to stay in that a longer period of time, press pause now and, you're, and feel free to, to just rest in that uh, experience of joy there. So moving into the Dharma talk today, and so the title of this tar talk, as you might have seen, is uh, Joy, a Boundless Quality of the Heart. And that really comes from the Buddhist tradition. Uh, the Buddha outlined four qualities of the heart. He called these the boundless qualities of the heart or the heart-mind. Uh, sometimes they're called the four immeasurables or in other texts are known as the Brahma-viharas, which is a Pali term, a Sanskrit term, which means uh, the abode of the gods or the dwelling of the gods. So it, whatever you call them, it's safe to say that the Buddha considered these four qualities to be quite important. And those are uh, loving-kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. And so I want to emphasize that importance because joy, it's particularly in the West, but I think nowadays worldwide, it's really often overlooked, right? We, I know meditators uh, who have been meditating a long time who really have this kind of grin and bear it kind of approach to their practice. And that's fine, you, that, might be, that might work really well for them. But the practices of joy really allow us to keep it light. Not to, not to really get you know, hardened into a practice, you know, gotta be mindful, gotta be compassionate. <laughs> that's great and that's fine. To do that sometimes. But joy has a real integral place on this path. The rejoicing of life, of the path, of gratitude, of generosity, of kindness. And so that's what the upcoming retreat is all about and these four uh, Facebook live sessions is all about. Finding that state of joy, tapping into that what's known as mudita, celebrative joy or appreciative joy or sympathetic joy. There's lots of different doorways into mudita. And so I'm gonna, over the eight week course, I'll cover all of those doorways. That's not possible in, in four sessions on Facebook, but I'll do as much as I can. So I was speaking about the Buddha, and I just want to reiterate here that I, I'm not here preaching any type of religion. 
belief system, philosophy. I'm really um, uh, passionate about drawing teachings from all traditions and all walks of life uh, when I can. But now, I have to be honest, my background is in the Buddhist traditions, uh, both Mahayana and Theravada. And so uh, that's my comfort zone. And so I'll be drawing uh, frequently probably from the Buddha, but only as a teacher, not as a religion or as a, as a deity or somebody to worship. Uh, but I'll speak about the Buddha as a teacher because for me, he was really one of the best. And the Buddha said this about joy. He said, live in joy, in love, even among those who hate. Live in health, even among the afflicted. Live in joy and in peace, even among the troubled. Look within, be still and quiet the mind, and tend to the heart. Know the sweet joy of life itself. Wow. That's, that's, you know, a tall order, right? Live in joy even among those who hate. Live in health even among the afflicted, right? So, so here we can see we're aiming the arrow quite high with these practices. And so I like to mention that because, you know, oftentimes people come to a, a program about joy or, or they take up a practice of joy and they think after a few weeks or a few months, uh, they're going to be able to, to do that. Now that might happen for some people. That's great. But for most people, myself included, these practices, the, the four immeasurables, they tend to be a rather slow burn very, very, very gradual. Uh, and I, I like to think of it as growing a tree. And so we do these practices. That's the, the rain, the sun, the soil, the fertilizer for that tree. And so, you know, day in, day out, may we enjoy the activities of life itself. We do the formal practice, kind of like how I outlined there. We do some informal practices of generosity, of gratitude. And we're growing, we're leaning, we're inclining our nervous system, our mind, our body towards the sunshine of joy. Like that. So, so just to know that we take up these practices, we just start where we are. If it feels impossible to live in joy and love even among those who hate, that's fine. That's normal. And so we just notice that. We notice that resistance. And then we keep offering those phrases of joy if we're doing this in a formal practice, or we keep offering practices of joy, holding that resistance. We get to know the resistance. We get to, to feel it to know it intimately. Because then when we start to know it and embrace it, Thich Nhat Hanh has a, has a really beautiful way of teaching this. He says to hold the resistance the way a mother holds a newborn baby in her arms. And so really caring for that resistance, recognizing that it's there for a reason. That resistance is there, most resistances are there as a safety precaution. We, you know, built those resistances years and years ago, usually, not always, uh, as a way of keeping us safe. But those resistances are outdated now. We don't need those anymore. And so we can hold them, notice them, say, thank you for being here. Thank you for keeping me safe. And I'm just going to continue on practicing joy around that resistance. Eventually, what starts to happen is the resistance starts, starts to soften, starts to relax. And when that happens, 
we have become more available for the experiences of joy in and around our life and more available to offer joy to others as well. And so in the beginning practice here, the meditation, uh, I offered four phrases of joy and I received these from my teacher many, many, many years ago. And I really um, find them to be uh, really uh, precise. That's why I like them so much. And so I'll just speak through them really quickly now and maybe talk a little bit about that. And so uh, the first one, may I enjoy the activities of life itself. Right? What would that be like if we could find joy in just the very simplest of the activities of life, the functions of life, brushing our teeth, cooking breakfast, sitting in a chair, breathing. May I enjoy the activities of life itself. And then we extend that out to others. May you enjoy the activities of life itself. What would that be like to be around somebody who could enjoy activities of life themselves just as they were? And that leads me to the second phrase. May I enjoy things just as they are, right? I mean, how often is our mind trying to tweak the present moment? This would be a great present moment if I could only have a pillow to sit on. <laughs> This would be a great cup of coffee if there was just a little bit more sugar or milk, right? It would be such a beautiful day if the sun would shine just a, a little bit brighter or if it wasn't raining, right? We're, we go through kind of our day really trying to fine tune things or maybe really tune them in a great way if we're, if we're you know, in a life struggle, we might be really trying to change that and shift that. May I enjoy the activities of life itself. May I enjoy things just as they are. So finding that current, where is the joy here? All right, that breath feels really good. I can just enjoy that breath. May I experience the world taking joy in all that I do. That's usually the phrase that brings up quite a bit of resistance for people, right? It almost feels invasive. Because if the world was to enjoy uh, everything I do, then they would know everything I do. <laughs> and so, you know, it becomes a, there's an ethical quality to that phrase, right? And so just feeling into that. And then at the same time, it takes the pressure off, right? What would it be like to move through our life knowing that the world would enjoy everything that we do? And if we could enjoy everything that everyone else does, Again, shooting that arrow very, very high. May I know what to do whatever arises. So this phrase is pointing right at the inner critic, right? When we're in a situation, you know, and we're kind of like reaching for, well, what do I do here? What do I do there? Generally, the inner critic comes in and says, well, you can't do that because you have to be a certain way, or you can't do this because you have to get X, Y, and Z done, right? And the practices of joy are designed specifically, and we'll get into this more as these sessions unfold and on the retreat, if you come on the retreat. Uh, the practices of joy are designed specifically to allow us to be introduced to our inner critic and then strangle that inner critic. <laughs> we're, we're going to exercise the inner critic from our being. This the inner critic really shields us from so much joy. What would that feel like? 
if we could know what to do in any situation, we just, we just know what to do, whatever arises. And so these practices are helping us to tap into what that might feel like and then feel the resistances which keep us from that. And so I keep mentioning, mentioning these resistances. And so I often get the question, well, what, you know, why do we have these resistances? What might they look like? And so I'll just talk a bit about the resistances here because the more we get to know them, uh, again, the more we can feel into them and the more they start to soften and dissolve. So in the Tibetan tradition, mudita or joy, boundless joy, is sometimes referred to as the trembling of the heart in the face of happiness. It's the kind of opposite coin side of compassion. Compassion is known as the trembling of the heart in the face of suffering. And joy is the trembling of the heart in the face of happiness. And so we feel happiness or we experience happiness, we see happiness around us. And actually, you know, in many people's lives, that's pretty abundant. You know, I might go downstairs and there might be somebody sitting outside drinking a cup of coffee and they might be really happy with that coffee. They might be enjoying that. But if, if I'm not open to that, that just kind of goes over my head. I don't notice that, that this person there is drinking and really enjoying this cup of coffee. But after doing practices of joy, I become receptive to that. And their enjoyment becomes my enjoyment. Because they're enjoying their cup of coffee, I feel that joy. And so that's how receptive we become like a sponge to others' happiness. Other people's happiness becomes ours in that way. And then we have more to offer to other people. Our cup overfloweth. And so we might resist that by, well, just not seeing it. That's a resistance, being blind to it, being numb to it, being so preoccupied in our thinking mind Again, using that example, I go outside from my apartment and somebody's enjoying a nice cup of coffee and maybe my mind is just like, oh, I, I've got to buy this, this, this at the grocery store and then I've got to call this person, I'm meeting a student later and I do want to do some writing. And the mind is just going, right? And so that tendency uh, really has the capability of closing us down to the simplest experiences of joy that are right around us for, for much of our day. Uh, we can also get trapped in the judging mind. And so we can judge other people. You know, we might you know, be criti critical of this person. There, there might be a person we don't like very much, right, for whatever reason. Uh, but still, their happiness can be, we can still feel their happiness, their happiness can still be a resource for us, even if we don't like that person. Or perhaps we have a friend, right, or a family member who they might be, you know, deciding to go on a trip or deciding to, to spend time with their other family members or whatever, they're in a decision and we offer some advice and they go against that advice, right? We might feel like, ah, oh, you know, they don't value my advice so much and so we can get locked into that we can get you know feel really you know bad because they didn't take our advice not recognizing that they're actually quite happy with their decision and so we can get caught in the judging mind in that way as well right i think that happens pretty often and so can we let that go and just be happy for that person in their walk of life might be, their walk of life might be really, really different than ours. I mean, most people's walks of life is different than mine, for sure. But that doesn't mean I can't celebrate their, their happiness on their path, right? They could be really, really happy. 
and that's great. And so when we can drop that judgment about their path and see that they're really happy, that happiness becomes our happiness. That happiness can become our joy. And so these are, again, all ways that we close down to that trembling of the heart in the face of happiness of others, and sometimes into our own happiness as well. Uh, conceit. We might get locked into conceit. I'm better than this person, or that person, you know, is, they're blind. They don't know. You know, I'm wiser than that person, or whatever our conceit is. And so the judgment, the conceit, that can be countered by a, a very simple phrase. Uh, I've been carrying this phrase with me now for, for quite some time. It's kind of a mantra, and I carry it with me sometimes when I'm in the shopping mall or, or at a cafe. I must be wanting coffee. I'm talking a lot about cafes and coffee this morning. Uh, so the practice of this mantra is not superior, not inferior, not equal to. And this is in regards to other people, in regards to our, our brothers and sisters of the human family, if you wish. I don't like that term, other people. Our brothers and sisters. Not superior, not inferior, not equal to. And just land, allow that to land on the heart. What does that feel like? Not superior not inferior, not equal to. It takes the judging right out. It takes the conceit right out. And so then we're with the human being in front of us. And if they're enjoying something, if they're enjoying the comfort of a chair or the warmth of their hot chocolate or the laughter of a friend, that becomes our enjoyment. It becomes quite accessible. Another way that we often close to that trembling of the heart in the face of happiness is by demeaning others. Ah, oh, they don't deserve that. You know, particularly we do this in kind of, if we're uh, competing with somebody for a particular job position or you know, maybe somebody, you know, maybe I'm writing a new book and somebody else writes a book on a similar topic and becomes a bestseller. You know, oh, they don't deserve that. They don't, they haven't meditated as much as I have. We do that, right? <laughs> and so one can use that same mantra for the demeaning tendency of the heart. Not superior, not inferior, not equal to we're just two human beings walking each other home. And so then when we do that, we can celebrate the other person's success, even if that success manifested as a way that we were hoping for ourselves. There's always room for more, right? There's not a limited amount of X, Y, and Z in the world. So there's not a limited amount of happiness. There's not a limited amount of joy. So we don't have to compete for that. So another way of countering that, that tendency of the heart to want to demean or devalue others and their success is to practice generosity and to practice gratitude. Because when we, when we are caught in that demeaning or devaluing of the success of others, uh, we feel that we're lacking, right? We feel we don't have enough. And so when we start practicing generosity, that, that can feel kind of counterintuitive there, right? But when we start giving freely from our heart, it could just be a compliment, a flower, a smile, a poem, a bit of your time. It doesn't have to cost anything. But when you give freely, you feel abundant. And something really remarkable that I, I've learned recently is that the practices of generosity and gratitude, they light up the same reward center in the brain as when we're giving, or when we're receiving. So that's really quite amazing, right? 
the nervous system doesn't really know the difference between giving and receiving. And so when we really take that into account, it really makes it easier to take up a practice, right, of generosity, of gratitude. So all of these resistances, all of these different manifestations of resistance are really pointing to the inner critic that I mentioned earlier. And so that can be another way of working with the resistance. When you feel a resistance come up towards offering joy to others, towards offering joy to yourself, you might say, well, what would I have to feel if that resistance wasn't there? And then just listen. You might hear the voice of the inner critic there. And so I keep mentioning practices of joy. And these can be done as a guided meditation, kind of like what I did at the opening here. That was just a brief uh, guided meditation on joy. I do have other uh, longer explorations into joy on, on my podcast uh, on Apple or Spotify. Uh, so feel free, uh, they're all for free there. So feel free to, to make yourself at home on the podcast page and, uh, and investigate joy uh, in a deeper way. And so it might feel a little bit uh, challenging to connect to other people and offer joy to them. Particularly people we don't know. And so I mentioned compassion being related to joy earlier in the talk here. And so that's another way of entering into the practices of joy is we can connect with somebody in their struggle. Right? We, we know for a fact that if you have a human body, a human nervous system, your life has some component of resistance, some component of struggle, of suffering. That was the Buddha's first noble truth, that life contains suffering. And so we can just notice that. You might even just say that phrase at the beginning of a joy practice. Life contains suffering. And that allows the heart to open now that might be the heart opening to the trembling of the heart in the face of suffering, but it easily shifts into joy. We can notice that there are these group of, let's say a group of homeless people, right? We, we can feel into that struggle, right? And then offer that group joy. Now, it might feel counterintuitive, right? How could this group who's really in the midst of struggle enjoy the activities of life itself? And maybe, maybe they, they can't. Maybe, it, maybe that's really, would be really challenging for them. And that's okay. We're offering that from our own heart so that we can feel what that feels like, so that we can grow our tree towards that sunlight of joy, of boundless joy. Boundless joy means offering joy to all people regardless of who they are, regardless of the conditions they're in. I mean, maybe, just maybe, somebody who's in the midst of struggle can find that undercurrent of joy which allows their struggle to be that much more bearable. If your life is, you know, 80% struggle and you can't find the 20% of joy, that struggle becomes 100%. That struggle becomes pretty huge, right? But if your life is 80% struggle and you have a way in to that joy, that joy starts to be able to support you in your 
digesting of that struggle. It gives you strength to hold that struggle. And so I just want to mention one more way of cultivating joy before we close here. Joy comes alive when it is shared. Right? And me, I'm, a, I'm a, an introvert to the core. I like my solitude. But I recognize, too, that, that yes, I can enjoy this cup of coffee, but when I, even if it's over Zoom and I tell somebody on Zoom, wow, I just went to this the coffee mountain in the north of, of Chiang Mai and I got this amazing cup of coffee, the coffee tastes better. And the enjoyment of that coffee is more rich. And so if you can, and I know with COVID and everything, it's challenging, but even over Zoom or over the telephone or in, in, in an email, sharing something that's good about your life, sharing something that you're enjoying, uh, really allows that joy to become a little more open, a little more felt, and a little more available uh, to give to others. So I think that's all I want to say today. Um, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate you. If you're whether you're watching here live or whether you're uh, watching the video playback, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email me uh, through my website, suchsweetthunder.org, or through Messenger on Facebook or in Instagram. Uh, always feel free. Uh, if you do want to sign up for the eight-week retreat, there are a couple of slots available. Uh, for uh, the first section and several slots available for the second section. Uh, so do uh, send me a message, get registered for that uh, if you wish. Have a beautiful weekend, have a beautiful week. I'll be back at this time on Thursday night if you're in the States or in North America and Friday morning here in Asia, Friday afternoon in Australia, New Zealand. For more of the same, uh, we'll be taking a very deep dive into mudita, into joy, talking more about different practices, how to cultivate that boundless joy. Okay, we'll see you there. I'll ring the bell, make it official.